Hi, my name is PK from Almost Inevitable Design, and this is the $2.4 million podcast where we talk about web design, web development, and WordPress. Just a heads up, I might be using a bit of profanity at times, which is why I checked on the explicit tag. All right, welcome back to episode 007. 007, I've been waiting to do this, do 007, with a really special uh, title. Just the title, the, the content itself isn't like super special, but it's the title, the title special. The title is Tempest, but it's, but the T, the first T, is written with a seven because that is how Tool titled their song. Yeah, so there's a Tool song called Tempest, which I love. It's off of their new album, and it's been, what, 13 years since their last album, and now they have their new album out. They were not on streaming, and they are pretty much deemed the last major band to get onto streaming, which I think is hilarious. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had their CDs, and I had their MP3s, but anyways, now they're on streaming, which is good. But anyways, the reason why this out this uh, episode is called Tempest with a 7, because <laughs> it's episode 7, uh, is because in this one, we're going to talk about time management and um, hourly rates and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit more about money because uh, the next episode, we're going to have to talk about uh, writing your proposal because that is step two in the nine-step process of uh, web design, right? So uh, here, we're going to talk a little bit more about trying to get us get ourselves into talking about um, how to spend your, how to, how to time yourself, how to get your hourly rates and all that kind of stuff. All right. So, um, why is it called Tempest? Well, it's called Tempest because, uh, this song, the song Tempest is about 15 minutes and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You heard me right. It's about 15 and a half minutes long. So it's, it's a very long song. Um, you thought, you might have thought that Meatloaf's I Will Do Anything For Love But I Won't Do That was a long song. That was like, what, 11 minutes? This is nothing. Tool blew, blew him out of the water. This is like 15 and a half minutes. Now, why is that important? Because when I, so this is an actual, this is, this is actually how I, um, get my, uh, timing, <laughs> like, what I used to, what I started doing was, I was thinking like, oh, you know, you know, like there's this part that I need to finish. I'm gonna have to um, put, keep my head down and just really work on this, and I'm gonna spend like a proper hour on this. And what I did was I plugged in my earphones and I played Metallica Master of Puppets from the start, from Battery. That's that's the first song in in Master of Puppets, Battery. So yeah, it's, yeah. Anyways, so um, yeah, I would start there and I just keep on playing. And that whole album is exactly fifty-five minutes long. So started battery, end with Damage Incorporated, and I I actually I've listened to this album so many times. It's only eight songs, but it's fifty-five minutes. Listen to this album so many times that I know if I'm listening to Master Puppets. Like I'm going past like 15, uh, 15, 17 minutes now. And if I listen to Welcome Home, I'm close to the half point and then, you know, like stuff like that. And then when I'm listening to Orion, it doesn't have any lyrics. It's a really cool instrumental. It's a 10 minute instrumental because it's Metallica. Um, 
if I start hearing that, I know I have to finish up because the last one is Damage Incorporated. So that's what I do. That's how I time myself. And I have a few albums like that. Raging the Machine's first album, Raging the Machine, is 53 minutes. Um, Alice in Chains' Dirt is 58. Facelift is 54. Uh, Nirvana MTV Unplugged is really good as well. That's only 54 minutes. Uh, Pearl Jam 10 and Versus, so 53, 52. Uh, Pantera, you, Megadeth, you, Pantera's Far Beyond Driven, Megadeth's Euthanasia, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, Avatar, Black Waltz, Ozzy Osbourne, Osmosis. I have a list of all these albums, all right? And what I do is they're about between 50, like 52, 53, all the way up to 55, six minutes. Um, if the album is a little too long, it goes over an hour. It's not very useful, so I just I try to stay somewhere around fifty something minutes. And that album I can and these albums I, is tolerable, and they are pretty fast and heavy. Uh, so I can listen to them. I can hunker down and I can really focus on my work. And yes, I do focus better when I'm playing uh, when I have heavy metal music blaring in my ears and. That's, yeah, like, nobody, like, like at the office, uh, boss cannot stand heavy metal, so I can't play it that much, but um, when I'm working on my own, it's either I have my earphones in, or I just have it blaring on uh, my speaker somewhere. So, um, oh, Disturbed, The Sickness, Papa Roach Invest, Dope, Dope, American Apathy, Machine Head, Burn My Eyes, I know, I have, I have this list. Now... If you are actually, if you don't listen to rock or heavy metal, especially from like 90s and early 2000s, um, you might not like this, the, the list that I have. So what you can do is you can find whatever musical genre you like and go play, you know, look at the albums, uh, see, or make your own playlist, you know, just make it about 55 minutes. That means... Once you finish that playlist, and don't put it on repeat because it'll never end. Uh, what, once you play that playlist, you're done with, for, with 55 minutes and you can have like five minutes-ish of rest. And that's a, an exact hour. So that's, that's how I time myself. Um, I've seen people discuss this on Facebook and forums, uh, Reddit. People have like apps timers some of them even use a pomodoro timer is that right like the the timer like the egg egg timer put it like pasta timer 55 minutes you just twist the thing and then goes to 55 minutes and it dings you know that kind of stuff some people do that they, they have a lot of different kind of things they do i listen to music and i play full albums now this is probably because i used to uh, play cds and i'd start a cd and i when i finish it i knew how much time it passed. That's how, that's how things work. So um, that's that's how I did that. Now for really sh quick things, like quick edits or quick jobs, I'd say like, oh, I got to finish this in like, you know, 15 minutes and I play Tempest. I do that now. I play Tempest now, which is why this episode is called Tempest with a seven, which is why it's on episode seven. Yeah. All right. So that that's how I time myself. Now, I think that's a great way of motivating myself and just uh, keeping keep, keep keeping myself focused on the task. And like I said, I, I work better when I'm playing Metallica or something really fast and heavy because, you know, I just really focus more.
That's that's how it works for me. Uh, if you're happy listening to, I, I I don't know what what else people can listen. I don't know. I don't know. I think. Let's see. I think Dr. Dre's The Chronic was about fifty something minutes. I'm gonna go check on my phone. Um, Dr. Dre, The Chronic, 1992. Huh. This is a. I think all the songs are double. Why are they doubled on my phone? All right. So it's hour twenty four minutes, but they're all doubled. So it's about I guess. 80, 40, 40 something minutes. Oh well. Uh, Dr. Dre's 2001 is hour five minutes. Oh well. I guess not. I don't know. Eminem has about 40 something, 50 minute albums, I think. I don't know. DMX. That's not important. None of this is important. So find yourself a genre that you like and just um, look for albums and find albums that are like about that long. Uh, in this digital age, it doesn't digital streaming age, not a lot of albums are actually like album albums, but a lot of songs are just singles. So if you have a lot of those in your playlist, then just make a playlist. Make an hour playlist, right? So you can make like three of those and then you can just mix, play one and then finish that hour and then play another, finish that, play another, finish that. Maybe like four hours worth of 55 minute playlists. It's fun to make them, you know? And then once you're done with those four, you can go have a, have a meal, Come back, do those four, and then you finish an eight-hour day. You know, something like that. Um, so that's that's a great way, I think, to time yourself. And like I said, a, an hour is four tempests. And me, me and a, 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 the, another designer that I work with at the office, the, he we, we both talk about that. So we're like, let's finish this in one tempest. Or if it's half an hour, it's like, let's, let's do this in two tempests. So that's that's how I time things. Now, having said that, uh, let's talk about hourly rates and all that kind of money stuff, all right? Now, if you actually time yourself, you'll actually know how long things take. Now, the more you time yourself, the more you know how quickly you move. And some things, even though you feel like you're moving, at a, you're, you're developing or you're designing at a really fast pace, sometimes it takes a, it takes quite a few hours and you end up with not much you know like if it's for example a very I don't know a complex layout or a layout that you feel that you um, need to really hit the mark and you're not sure where you're going with this and you might maybe second guess yourself a lot and then you end up like two three hours on just one layout and then you suddenly drift off and look into um, inspirations and then you come back and you're like, oh, I haven't done anything on this. And then, you know, it just takes some, some things really take a long time. And it's good that you know how long something takes because that will later on help you a lot in quoting. All right. When you quote uh, a job, if you don't know how long it takes you or if you don't know the depth of the work that you're going to be doing, it's, it's really going to be bad. Like the thing, one thing that I've noticed a lot is Let's say, for example, um, I don't know, some people are asking, a client is asking for you to change the links or change the menu or whatever, change some text or some images, whatever it is, right? You start doing that and you find yourself taking way longer than you think. But when, when it's done in your head, they're like, oh, can you change some text for me? And you say, yeah, sure, why not? I can do that. I can do that in a jiffy. And in your mind, because you know what you're going to be doing, 
it takes you five minutes in your mind. But if you actually sit down and do it from the beginning to finish, it might even take a half an hour because you got to sit down, you got to find the password, <laughs> you know, you got to log in, you got to find that page, but then you see that that text is not styled correctly, so you got to change this and do that and then save and then send it off and then they like it and then, you know, it might take a lot more than you think it will. And that that that's happened a lot to me. And it's because you know what you're going to be doing, but you really haven't thought out everything secondary and tertiary that happens around that small job. All right, so that is something that you can actually time yourself later on when you when you start doing this, you'll see how long something will take. And that's important in quoting later on, okay? Now, let's think about rates. How would rates work, All right? How does rates work? Now, this is a really, Import, this is a really tricky question. It's a really tricky question. Um, basically, it's how much you think you need, right? That's that's the answer. That is the general, that's the overall all-encompassing answer. But there's so many factors you need to think about when coming up with that answer. All right, so let's think about this. There's a lot of things that you need to consider. How many hours would you be working, for example, a week? And how much should you be making that week with those hours? And how much do maybe, let's say, for example, other people of, let's hope, similar level of expertise would charge? Um, and maybe how much do agencies that do that, like companies that have a lot of overhead, how much do they charge? Should you charge the same as those agencies because you're delivering the same amount of uh, results? Or should you charge more because you're more focused than that? You know, there's a lot of things that you can say to justify what you're doing or not justify what you're doing or, you know, take bring the price up or take the price down. There's a lot of things you can say. So one thing that I found um, that you might enjoy watching is this guy, Brad Colbo and he's really cool. I, I really like watching his videos. He's a little funny. Um, I actually bought a, uh, a Udemy course off of him on Affinity Designer for iPad. Like I love using the Affinity Suite, Affinity Publisher, Affinity Designer and Affinity Photos. I use all three um, almost every day and I want I bought Affinity Designer for iPad but it was overwhelming and I was just like, ah, oh, I need some time. So I, I actually bought Brad Colbo's uh, Udemy course on that and started to follow along and I'm really liking it. But he has a YouTube channel that I really enjoy watching. He, he's an illustrator, illustrator slash designer. And uh, he does a lot of tech reviews for creatives and more so the illustrator type. And I like to draw, so I really, and I like to do illustrations and stuff, so I, I, I enjoy watching his videos a lot. But one of the videos that he has is how much should I be charging? How did I get my hourly rates? And he has a very, very, very well-made uh, breakdown of the, the calculations that he goes through for his regular rates. And he actually, he actually goes through all the numbers. And that's that's really worth watching. It's really worth the ten minutes that you need that you that he has for 
10 minutes of watching that video to, to you know see how he comes to his numbers and I think that's really fair it, it makes sense because you know he's just all freelance and he wants to make a, a decent amount of money uh, without being too greedy and he has and you have to think about a lot of things and divide that up in the amount of hours that you're working and you, you come to a certain number so he breaks that down really well now Let's think about how this translates to, sorry about the chair sound. I should probably grease it or something, I don't know. So let's think about how this translates to actual, like for us, for web design stuff, right? Now, yes, the cal calculations would be similar because it's just about how you freelance, not uh, how one type of job can, can get paid more or whatever. So. It works out pretty similar. But now the thing that I need to think about is, well, the thing that I have seen that really bugs me from a lot of people, what a lot of people do is like when, when people charge about as much or even more than an agency, uh, I'm not too sure. Like the thing that agencies need to charge for is um, not only the expertise and also the guarantee uh, of, a, of working as a B2B, but also overhead like office and employees and all that. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into an agency. Does a freelancer justify all that? Now, I'm not too sure because yeah, of course you got you got you got to pay the bills. You got you got family, but you don't have the same overhead as those agencies. And you know, I'm not. I don't know. Like, there's a lot. They some be, I've seen people who charge a lot, and I've seen people who are very snarky and condescending about how much they charge. And I see their work, and I'm like, that is so shit. I don't believe that you can charge that and I don't I can't believe that people pay you for that. You know? It's just such shit sometimes. And they're just being like, oh I won't look at a project and listen like and I oh I charge this much an hour. It's because they're paying for my expertise. Like, really? I don't you don't have any fucking expertise. So here's a story, alright? And it's it this frustrates me so much, so I might just go off. <laughs> some, I'm sure I'm sure some people might be listening in uh, just waiting for me to just start just you know spitting <laughs> but well, anyway so this story um, a, a client now I, I'm not going to use any actual details because you know it's it's I can't but it's it's a true story so um, we, there was a client who had an idea for a product and wanted to sell that product and started manufacturing that product and they had a name. So the first freelancer, the first, I need air quotes for this, for this piece of shit. Um, the first designer that they went to, now this designer is not a good designer. Their work fucking sucks. It sucks ass. It's just so bad. 
piece of shit, right? Now, that designer, probably because that person didn't feel as confident with their web development skills. Um, so uh, these are actual numbers, right? Now, yeah, all right. So I'll go into the actual numbers as well, though. So this, this designer charges 100 30, 125, 130, 150, 150 maybe dollars an hour. That that's a lot of dollars an hour, right? If I listen to Metallica from beginning Bastard Puppets from beginning to finish, I make $150. That that's a lot of dollars. So that's how much he charges them, right? And they went to and the client went to them, went to him. Oops. Well now you now you know his sex. But anyways, uh, they went to him doesn't matter. There's a lot of guys <laughs> on, on Earth. <laughs> so it's hard to narrow down which guy who charges that much. Anyways, so they went to him and what he did was, because this is in Australia, um, they wanted to sell, the client wanted to sell um, worldwide. So what they need is a .com and because they're in Australia, they would need a .com.au. This guy went off and just bought .com, .com.au, .coenz, which is the New Zealand, and .co.uk, which is the UK one. He bought all four of them, and did he buy the net too? I don't remember, but he bought, I, the best that I can remember, he bought all four of them, right? And he charged fucking $150 for each domain that he bought under his fucking name. He bought them under his name, and he charged them $150 per domain for an hour's worth of work. Everybody who's listening to this who has registered a domain knows it doesn't take you an hour to do that. And if you buy three, four of them, you can do it together. It took him, what, 15 fucking minutes to do that, and he charged them 700 something dollars. What the fucking hell? Just for those domains under his fucking name. And then he said, oh yeah, because it's, because it's fucking e-commerce, you're gonna need a robust hosting and all that shit. So whatever shit, you know, fucking VPS, yay, and get, pay like two and a half grand for a year's worth of hosting, and then I'll build your website for three and a half grand. Now it's an e-commerce website for three and a half grand um, in Australia. That is not that expensive. So he actually does is not very confident with his uh, web development skills. He's probably gonna load up. WooCommerce and then just call it a fucking day. But yeah, that's it. And of course, load a template off of some other demo content and then just, just make a shitty shit website out of that shit that he loads and just make it really shit. So anyways, um, he, he didn't get the job in the end, but he did charge him that much. And he didn't get that job because uh, uh, I told him it's, it's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, so it was under his name, so we had to get him to comply to um, get, you know, handing the domain over and, and to the client's name. So he had to get the EPP code, and then he didn't push the domain over, so we had to let it expire. We didn't need the CoUK or CoNZ, so we just went with the .com and .com.eu. Anyways, this piece of shit was just like that, and that's how much. That's how I knew how much he was charging. He was charging four fucking hours to, to register four domains at once. What the fuck? What the hell? You know? 
So there are people like that, fucking scam artists like that, who are actually taking advantage of, of clients with, with their, I don't know, shitty business practices, shady, sketchy business practices, fucking piece of shit, right? So yeah, that's what's going on. And that sort of makes me really wonder, and I, I've, like, I've, I've, I see people brag on the internet, like, yeah, okay, you brag, like, I charge this much an hour, I'm, I'm like a CEO of, of a one-person web uh, agency, like, what the fuck, you know, there's so many, I don't know why people just brag so much, but anyways, they brag, and you're like, you check out their website, and it's not as good as they think it is, and all that, but anyways, most of the times they're like they they're they're very happy to brag about how much they charge and um yeah i mean there are things that a company needs to do or a freelancer needs to do some some prices i'm sure is are justified but it's not always like that so um i don't know like do does do the clients really get their money's worth if you're charging like you know Hundred fifty dollars for registering one domain? Really? I, I don't think so. So, I don't know. I I'm I I'm not. I don't like scamming people. So I'm not in that kind of you know practice. I don't do that. And if you do, you should feel ashamed. I don't know. Fuck off. All right. So let's go to <laughs> yeah. So then now. Uh, this is all a setup for uh, next week's episode because next week we're going to talk about proposals and quoting jobs, right? And I don't like talking actual numbers uh, because everybody is different. Everybody's numbers are different, so I won't do that. But I will talk about how to actually get into, uh, you know, coming up with a proposal. So, uh, yeah, we can talk about that next week. But for now, that's what I was talking about. Um, that's what I wanted to talk about. The reason why it's called Tempest is because you can uh, you can time yourself, and you got albums. Do it through music, and if you think about hourly rates, there's a lot of things that you can consider when uh, coming up with a number. And some people I think are very bad at that and are not actually providing good value, so they should uh, revalue themselves. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the news. website cloud4.com cloud4.com oh yeah i saw i saw a meme uh it had fork it had a fork in it it had four prongs so it had a a fork with three prongs and called it a threek <laughs> and a fork with two prongs and called it a took and then a, a knife was a wonk i don't sorry and a spoon was a zero Anyways, so uh, cloud4.com, and this is this was written by a guy named Jason Grigsby. It's uh, it's pretty recent, 
and it's about an HTML attribute potentially worth about $4.4 million to Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle is a fast food Mexican store, Mexican restaurant, <laughs> restaurant, yeah. And um, what this guy was, what this guy found was that when he kept on trying to enter credit card details online on Chipotle's website, it didn't work. It, it's, it kept on telling him that there was an error and he needed to find out why that was happening. And he, he was trying to do a lot of different things. And in the end, what happened was he found out that when the form was auto-filled, it didn't work. So he went into all the code and he looked through all that and there's a lot of stuff that I'm not very good with AngularJS so I'm not gonna act like I understand this but it, it is but basically what's going on is um, it, it should take the last two digits and if you enter it manually that's fine last two digits of the uh, expiry year expiry date expiry dates on credit cards have like month and then year and the year is like 20 for example, 2023, then you would put in the 23 and not the, not all four numbers in this case because it had only space for two digits on Chipotle's website. So you would put in the 23 and not the 20. But if you autofill it, the 20 goes in first. So it doesn't work. So that's why he kept on getting errors, you know? And he, the reason why it's called $4.4 million uh, of, of, what is it? lost to Chipotle is because and he did some math to do that and like um, let's say for example 1 million online transactions per week and then uh, whatever like something go on whatever whatever and how, how because it causes problems and people uh, jump ship or people lost time in, in ordering or whatever all that kind of stuff comes to about 4.4 million dollars so um, it's the important, well, that's, it's just a, it's, it's a really interesting story. And as long as you understand the, the two digit thing coming from autofill, you actually understand why the error occurred and it's worth telling other people. It's, it's a cool story to tell other people. Um, the, the, what the thing that he, the thing that you can learn that we can learn from this, I guess, is autofill is good. Now we don't have to worry about it too much because um, we're not actually, a lot of the times when we're using WordPress, we don't actually have to code the, the input fields ourselves by hand. We don't have to do that that much. Um, but autofill, most, most uh, contact forms that we use on WordPress will have it. So autofill is autofill, autocomplete is important. It's good. It helps people uh, shorten the time, the, the tedious time of entering everything in a contact form because nobody likes that. Nobody likes entering your name, first name, last name again, and then email, confirm email again, and all that kind of shit, right? So it's it's good to have that, but you need to think about um, exactly if it's if it works, you know, the way that you intended, and not have like a small little thing that you missed, and then you just forget how browsers work, you know. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, my, the way that I explained it is pretty much the gist of it. There are a lot more technical stuff here. Um, I don't understand all of it because like I said, I don't understand a lot of JS. Um, so, 
<laughs> Angular JS. I don't know, but uh, anyway, so that that's that's basically the story. So it's it's an interesting story, and you can it's it's a, it's a fun story to tell people. So uh, have a look. I have the link on the website. So have a look. All right, next. This one's actually very good. This next one is from Pentagram. Now, if you don't know what Pentagram is, it is one of the world's best design agencies in the world, the best design agencies in the world. And they do like the world's best work. You know, Pentagram is, is, does great work. I think they did the new Slack logo, I think. Yep. And they, they did, uh, they do Oppo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they did Red Hat. They, they do a lot of, a lot of really good stuff. They're like one of the best, in the world in, in this, you know, yes, they did Red Hat. It's a Linux uh, bistro. Uh, not, not see. All right, anyways, it's Slack. Um, let's see, what else do we know? Visible uh, Samsung Galaxy. Wow, all right, cool. Verizon, uh, what else do they have? Um, Code Academy, Windows, really? Windows. Yeah, so anyways, these guys are like the world's best. Oh, guitar heroes from them. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, so these guys are like the best design agency in the world-ish. So they redid Yahoo. Now, you guys remember Yahoo? Yeah. Do, do you know Yahoo? Yeah. Yeah. Yahoo was like really cool back in the day, you know, when we had like... Alta Vista, and we had uh, Lycos and all that kind of stuff, and I was using Netscape Navigator and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Yahoo. Now Yahoo uh, got a new logo. It's a lot more geometric sans serif. -y. It is a geometric sans serif. It's a lot more modern than it was before with the old Yahoo with the block serifs, and now they the second one after the lady. CEO Marissa or whatever her name was, she took over and they redid the logo back in uh, 2013, and it looked pretty much the same, just a little different. But now they totally redid it, and now it's no serifs. It's very clean cut, and then they have the um, Yahoo always has the exclamation point, and then that exclamation point is at a 22.5 degree slant, as is the Y. So they put the Y and the exclamation point together and it becomes a new Yahoo icon. And if you have all the letters in there, then it becomes a Yahoo logo. Um, the good thing is you can still tell it's still Yahoo because it has the same familiar purple and you can just tell with the Y and the exclamation point, right? 22.5, I think there's a, there you go. The Y and the um, exclamation point of the logo are both set at an angle of 22.5 degrees, the basis for a visual language built around angles and incremental slices. So 22.5 times two is 45 degrees. 45 degrees is half of a right angle. So I guess 22.5 is a quarter of an angle. So there you go. That's how that works. So yeah, Yahoo has a new logo and they put it on everything. If you go to the pentagram page, they put it on everything, like on on a hat, on a on a bag, on socks and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Um, I don't know if Yahoo is going to do well because I haven't used a Yahoo service. I don't know if I have. Oh, weather. Yahoo still has weather, don't they? That's all I know about Yahoo, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they do. Uh, they do have Ymail, but I, don't, I haven't used it. I couldn't log in a few times, so I just gave up. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing it. I'm not using you. Um, so, yeah, I don't care about Yahoo Mail anymore. So, Yahoo has a new logo from Pentagram. I hope this helps. Cool. Let's go to resource. I have only two news articles this time. So, let's go to resources now. resources are actually really cool. One is colormind.io and what they have is something that I think is really cool. So they have a palette. They have a color palette. Now if you scroll down you'll see a color palette and if you like it you can click that I guess. Um, and you can also generate color palettes like that. Yeah. So what you can do if you click, you find if you like a color palette, right? You can click on the color palette and go to website colors. And what happens is they actually apply the pa color palette onto a bunch of web-related elements, and you can have you can look through everything you want, you know. And you can be like, oh, okay, I can do this, I can do that, and then and you can see how the color palette looks. You can actually. Where'd that come from? You can, anyways, you can you can see what the color palette looks like and all that, and really it's really helpful. So, um, and it gives you the hex code for all the colors. You can actually change some of the codes, hex codes, so change the colors, and you can probably it gives you five colors, so you can probably change some of those colors and find the color palette that you like, and you actually get a a really good visual. Uh, feel of what those colors will look like with each other. So it's very useful in seeing how the color palette works on a website. So check it out, colormind.io. And if you want to check out the website stuff, you can go to slash bootstrap. Um, just, just go to the website first and then click on website colors and you'll see what I mean. All right. So have a look. I think it's really cool. It's been around for a while. I just haven't uh, used it and I'm trying to use it more. So yeah. Check it out. All right, cool. Next, there's um, a thing called refactoringui.com. Refactoringui.com. Now, refactoringui.com is actually about. It's they they have a book that came. Oops, sorry, clicked wrong button. They have a book and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the cool thing is that it has a lot of really good uh, tips, design tips and articles about UI and about design. And, and I think it's really good. I think it's really good the way that they do it. So uh, have a look and it talks about, even if it's a really small thing, like um, for example, seven practical tips for cheating at design, which sounds cool, right? So yeah, this actually, and, and the tips here are, are actually I think are really good. I've, I've read this one before. Uh, it's really good because, for example, 
it gives you a really nice um, rule of thumb that you can use easily and it will improve design from an amateur level to an actual uh, professional level just by thinking in a slightly more professional lateral way than what an amateur would first try you know so uh, using color and weight to create hierarchy instead of size because it's not just about size you know so because you know a lot of people let's make this logo bigger let's make this text bigger you know keep people keep doing that it's not always that you can make it bolder you can make it a darker color or lighter color there's a lot of things you can do to actually create better hierarchy you know um, don't use gray text on colored backgrounds. Uh, also, let's, there's a lot of things here that's real. I think is really cool. Offset your shadows. Uh, use fewer borders. I'm just scrolling through all this. It's really good to read. Don't blow up icons that are meant to be small. And they show you examples, and it really makes sense. Like the one with the check green check mark looks a lot better than the one with the red X. You know, so it's really yeah. Uh, use accent borders to add color to a bland design and yeah like the, everything here is just really really good really well you know really good point tips not every button needs a background color you know and, 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 and all that stuff so it's really cool have a look and check out refactoringui.com okay cool next uh, this one is actually a, oh I should have paused between news and resources oh well Oh well. Anyways, so this one is about Firefox. Now, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys use Chrome because it is the most popular um, browser out there. But Chrome is pretty much Google trying to uh, track everyone. And a lot of their ads, Chrome is actually going to be um, blocking ad block. Does that make sense? They're gonna block ad block, so you will have to look at ads because ads are how Google makes their money. They want to sell ads, which is why they are tracking people. It's all about ads, and Chrome is not is gonna actually embrace more ads. And I don't, I don't know, I don't. That doesn't sit well with me. So um, I, because I don't like ads. I uh, use Firefox. If you if you want to use Chrome but you don't want to see ads, use the Brave browser. Um, I use Firefox. I've used Firefox for quite a while, and um, Firefox has a couple of different flavors. They have regular Firefox, and they have Firefox Developer, and they have Firefox Nightly. Now the really cool thing about Nightly is Nightly actually teaches you if you write bad CSS. So if you're typing in your CSS and then you load it on the front end and it's not working but you still see your CSS, uh, uh, CSS code that you wrote and it will show you that this doesn't apply to this element. And, it will, and if you put your mouse over the um, exclamation point next to it, then it'll tell you it, it won't work because this element is an inline or this element is the, that or whatever you know so it actually a lot of times it might actually teach you what you're doing wrong so 
Um, and it has like developer versions and everything for the inspector. So I think it's really cool. It's 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 a pretty useful um, version of Firefox. And another thing is it's actually separate from your regular Firefox. So you can actually use it to see what it looks like when you're not logged in, for example. And of course, you gotta install the same plugins, add-ons and browser add-ons and stuff like uh, what runs. I always install what runs. Uh, Ghost and Privacy Badger and uBlock Origin. I always add and Facebook uh, container. So those are all blocking privacy and ads and all that. And of course, what runs is good for uh, diagnosing uh, websites and seeing what you know, what 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 CMS the website is using or whatever. Okay. Anyways, so I think that's pretty cool. So check it out. Uh, Firefox Nightly, I'll add all the links in the in the post. So I think that's about it. This one was a little shorter than the other ones because I didn't go off too much. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go off too much on um, assholes. So, uh, yeah. Alright, so next week we're going to talk about... Uh, what was it? Proposals, writing proposals. And hopefully getting the clients to agree to your proposals, right? And of course, let's see, I do have some questions that came in, so I will answer them sometime uh, when the topic is about, you know, similar or con connected, or maybe I'll just have a section for answering questions. I don't know if, yeah, depends on how many questions. I do have some, uh, I'll, I'll answer them later. All right, so um, stick around to the next episode and keep subscribing and all that. Check out the tutorials and the courses that I have on my website, almostnetable.com, and I will see you in the next episode. All right? Okay, take care. Bye-bye.